0: It's a resurrection chapter in the Bible. <clears throat> From beginning to end, it's about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm just going to read one verse to you this morning. And I would encourage you to go back and read that chapter sometime today. And I believe everything that I um, preached to you this morning, you'll find in this chapter. I'm not going to tell you anything profound this morning. I rarely do. I mainly remind you of things that you already know. But can I tell you the power of the gospel is not in how profound I preach or how powerfully I preach or how eloquently I preach. The power of the gospel is in what Jesus has done for us on the cross and through the empty tomb. And I promise you, if you're not impressed with him and what he's done, you won't ever be impressed with me and what I have to say. He's enough this morning. So I just want to preach to you Jesus. <clears> 1 <throat> Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, a very simple verse of Scripture. I quote it often at funerals. Verse 19 says, if in this life only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. The gospel of Jesus Christ is presented at the first part of this chapter, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple. Now, Jesus lived a sacrificial life, that he died as a substitute for our sins on the cross of Calvary, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb for three days, and on the third day he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. That's the gospel. It's just that simple. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. He did not, Jesus did not just come as a good teacher, He did not come as just a good example. He was a good teacher. He was a good example. He did not come just to be the founder of a new religious system. Jesus came to be the supreme sacrifice once and for all time for mankind's sin. Once for all time, Jesus died for man's sins. The Bible says that Jesus is the only mediator that stands between a holy God and sinful men. He is the only one that can advocate for us. He he is the only one that can stand in our defense before a holy God and speak to God on behalf of men and speak to men on behalf of God. He is the only mediator between God and man. He came to offer us salvation. When I say that he came to offer us salvation, I mean that he came to offer us forgiveness of our sin. He came to offer us reconciliation with the Father because we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, we were the enemies of God. But he came to offer us reconciliation with God, and along with that reconciliation to take away the curse of death from our lives and to give to us instead an abundant and eternal life. The entire validity of Christianity hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. You understand that? Everything that we believe and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ hinges on this day that we celebrate today, Resurrection Sunday. And so whether Jesus' resurrection is true or not is all that really matters. Whether the resurrection of Jesus is true or not is all that really matters It either changes everything or it changes nothing. Paul said it like this. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If in this life only we have hope in what Christ does, then we're the most miserable people of all. If the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is not true, now let me just pause and say this. I believe with everything in me that it is the truest event that ever occurred in human history. I believe it is one of the most validated events that ever occurred in human history. And I could go, we could I've listed online on our on our church page uh, from several different people all of the evidences that we have of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's just, let's just entertain a thought for a few minutes. Why did Paul say that? Why did he say, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable? If the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is not true, then that means Jesus is not who he said he was. He's just another man that made some unproven claims and some, and some, and, and some promises to us. He's just another man... Who died on another cross. Who offers us at the very most some wise words to live by. And I have you know there are people in the world today that believe that's all Jesus was. Is a good man who said some good things and gave us a good example that we should pattern our own lives by. And if the resurrection of Jesus is not true then that's all he was. There were two other men that died on crosses that day. There were more men before them that died on crosses. There were more men after them that died on crosses. So if the resurrection of Jesus is not true, then he's just another man died on another cross, made some unproven claims and some promises. I'm, I'm not even sure that you could call him a good man. C.S. Lewis made this argument. I, don't, I understand it didn't really originate with him, but he articulated it like this. Even though he taught some good things and lived a good life, I'm not sure we could consider him a good man because he claimed to be God in human flesh and that he had the power to forgive sins. And if you took his life from him, that he would take it up again himself. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then he either lied about all those things or he was a lunatic who was out of his mind in the claims that he made. See, as Lewis said, that you either got to bow at his feet as Lord or you got to call him a lunatic and a liar. That we got to lose this mentality that he could be a good man or a wise example for us to live by if he didn't raise from the dead he was not who he said he was he had no business offering the claims that he offered if the resurrection of Jesus is not true he's not who he said he was and our faith in him is worthless if he did not prove his deity then he has no power to forgive our sins In fact if you remember one time he he healed a man who was lame but before he healed him of his lameness he spoke to that man and said your sins are forgiven and they questioned him about his authority to forgive sins. If, Jesus is not who he, if the resurrection is not true, then Jesus is not who he said he was. And he claimed to be able to offer forgiveness of sins. If he is not who he said he was, our faith in him is worthless. He has no proof whatsoever that he has the power to forgive him. Therefore, Paul said, if that's not true, then my preaching to you about Jesus is in vain. And you're listening to my preaching to you about Jesus is in vain. It's foolishness. We are dead and in vain. Our sins, we are guilty and condemned. And I would say to you this, the resurrection of not Jesus is not true. It would be just as profitable for you to put your faith in Allah or Buddha or your own works. None of them are profitable in any sense of the word. None of them have proven anything to us. Uh, if the resurrection of Jesus is not true, you might be as profitable as putting your faith in any number of those things than you would in him. Paul said it. I'm not telling you anything he didn't say. He said, if Christ is raised not from the dead, then my preaching is vain. Your faith is vain. You're still in your sin. If the resurrection of Jesus is not true, then the dead are just dead. I, I preached Brother Eugene's funeral a couple weeks ago and I quoted this passage of Scripture at the beginning of his funeral and I thought, how sad a day this would be if Jesus had not risen from the dead. In fact, the Bible says in First Peter chapter 1 that we have been born again into a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we don't have a living hope. We don't have have a hope beyond our final breath. If Jesus did not conquer the grave, there is no proof whatsoever that anybody else can. Do you hear what I'm saying? If Jesus didn't conquer the grave, there's no proof that anybody else can. Because he's the only one that ever claimed that he could, he's the only one that ever did. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Paul said we're miserable people because our hope dies with our last breath. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there's no reason for us to believe in an afterlife. There's no reason for us to believe that there's ever going to be a reunion in a better place. I don't know if y'all have ever let your mind dwell in that for a little bit you ever thought about it? If the resurrection of Jesus isn't true, then this is all there is. Then this is as good as it gets. That when my loved ones are gone, there's no reason for me whatsoever to ever believe I'll ever see them again. But that when we die, We just cease to exist. That is a morbid, miserable, hopeless thought, isn't it? I can't bear to think that thought very long because of where it takes my mind. I can't bear the thought of thinking I won't ever see people that I love again. I can't bear the thought of thinking that one day I'll leave this world and leave my grandkids behind, leave my kids behind and... If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that's it. It's over. We've experienced all the relationship. We've experienced all the life. Can you, can you hear what I'm saying this morning? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this is it. No wonder Paul said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most miserable. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, everything that we believe is just wishful thinking. It's nothing more than that. And, and, and we'd, we'd, be, we'd be no better off and we'd be no worse off than just believing in fairy tales or believing in Greek mythology or believing in reincarnation or believing in any number of things. We'd be no better off, we'd be no worse off. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, everything we believe is just wishful thinking. And I know sometimes we say, living for Jesus is a better life. And I know that one preacher wrote a book, you best living your best life now. I'm telling you, this ain't our best life, and it ain't never going to be our best life. In fact, when you look at what Jesus offered us, he said, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. So if we live a life believing in a resurrected Savior, if if Christianity calls us to bear a cross, to deny ourselves, the Bible says this is what's going to happen. It's what happened to the apostles. They were hated. They were persecuted. Every one of them died a martyr's death because of their belief in the resurrection. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men. Most miserable. If the resurrection is not true, living that kind of life would be insanity. Do you realize that Christians are the most hated and persecuted people group on the earth? That's the reality. Millions of believers die every year because they believe in a crucified and risen Savior. Those disciples could have walked away from Jesus and lived a good life for the rest of their life. In fact, the first time they were arrested in prison, they said, don't preach anymore in that name. You can preach the Ten Commandments. You can preach about being good. You can say he was a good teacher. You can follow his example. You can do anything that you want to do, but you've got to leave the name of Jesus and the claims of the resurrection out of it, and they couldn't do it. They knew what they had seen, what they had heard, what they experienced, and every one of them gave their life for that. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the resurrection is not true. It would be insanity to be hated and persecuted and destroyed because of our confidence in his resurrection. The whole point of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is to de- is to declare that Jesus died was buried and rose again. And and the man, the man that wrote First Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, at one time was the most was one of the most vocal and violent opposers of the Christian faith that existed in the world at that time. I mean, he he intended to stop the spread of Christianity until he had an encounter face to face. With a risen savior and overnight is life. in fact i'll tell you one of the clearest evidences of and you you don't have to read this in the bible you can read it in the historical accounts of non-biblical scholars one of the clearest evidences that the resurrection is true is true is that a man in one night who had an encounter with the risen christ not not three days after he rose from the dead Not even 40 days after he rose from the dead, but sometime after that 50 days of Pentecost, when Christ had long been crucified, long risen from the dead, and ascended back to heaven, the Apostle Paul had a face-to-face meeting and encounter with the risen Christ, and he went from being a persecutor of the Christian faith to the primary preacher of the Christian faith. Why in the world would he make that transition when it cost him everything? He was a Pharisee. He was highly regarded. He spent the rest of his life running from persecution. The difference, the only change was that he encountered a risen Savior. That was all the proof that he needed to become a devoted follower and witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if the resurrection of Jesus is true and I believe with all of my heart that it is and I believe that all of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that it is and I believe that Peter and James and John and Paul and and Jude said that it is and I believe the 500 witnesses that saw Jesus said that it is if the resurrection of Jesus is true then it validated his identity as the Christ. Everything that he claimed about himself, everything that he declared to us was true, is true. It proved his ability to deliver on all the promises that he made. It certified to us that Jesus Christ was not just another man, not just a good man, not just a man who had wise words and wise teachings, not just a man that we could follow an example. It certified to us that Jesus Christ was God in human flesh who died a death He did not deserve so that He could deliver sinners from the death that they deserved. It, it, It authenticated that He has the power to forgive sinners of their sin and to raise the dead to life. Spiritually first, and then physically and eternally second. It validated his identity. It makes our faith worthwhile. It makes living for Jesus worthwhile. It makes our profession, our declaration, our self-denial, our taking up our cross. It makes our life worth living. It means that we have a Savior. It means we have a Lord. It means we have been forgiven of our sins. It means that we've been reconciled to the Father. It means that we have not just life abundantly, but that we have life eternally, and that our hope in Christ is not just in this life, but it is in the life that follows. That's the reason those men could be burned on the stake, uh, crucified on crosses, uh, hung upside down, torn apart by wild beasts and sang the glories of the one that had saved them because he proved that he had power over the grave it is why we have a ministry and a mission that is worth living to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father the only mediator that exists between God and man And finally, it gives us hope beyond death. Listen, this life is not all there is. My cousin Ray has a saying, he has a saying, I quote him all the time in this. It's really profound. (laughs) It's it's simple, but it's profound. You can't stay here. You're not going to stay here. This is a little bit of a morbid thought to think, but there's probably some of us that will not live through this year. Somewhere, somebody right now is breathing their last breath. Their heart is beating its final beat. The only hope they have beyond that breath is in one that conquered it and one that has the power to give us that same victory. Romans declares to us that the same Spirit that brought Jesus from the dead lives in us. We have eternal life in Christ. That gives us a sure and certain hope that when we breathe our last breath here, we can claim the promise of the Scripture that whosoever, who, whoever is absent from the body is present with the Lord. And that one day there's going to be a glorious resurrection from the grave. Just as Jesus' body came forth from the grave glorified, our bodies are going to be brought forth. I always found it interesting that Job, which is probably the oldest book in the Bible written Um, way back, probably before the law of Moses, before even Abraham. Um, Moses probably wrote it, but it was an account that God gave to him. Um, And and I always find it, it amazing that Job said this. Long before he knew about the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, long before that ever occurred, thousands of years before that ever occurred, Job said this. I know that even though worms devour my body, that in my flesh, I'm going to see God. Because I know my Redeemer lives. If, If Job can look forward to the cross and the empty tomb, 5,000 years in advance, surely we can look back 2,000 years and say it happened. We have the testimony of many witnesses. We have the validation of Christianity. There's no religion on the face of the earth that the devil has tried harder to stamp out because it's the only religion that saves. It's the only test, he's the only mediator between God and man. It's the only one the devil wants to silence. But he can't. He had not He won't. He never will. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Because the basis of our hope is not on a dead Savior, but on a resurrected Savior. I'm thankful that one day there's going to be a reunion. I believe that with all my heart. Somebody asked me the other day, Sister Francine, I think, was the one that asked me. She said, you really believe we're going to know each other in heaven? I said, absolutely. I ain't going to get dumber because I got to heaven. I mean, I have a hard time figuring out people's names today, but I'm going to know you when we get to heaven. Listen, when they saw Jesus transfigured and, and assume his deity for that few moments that night, Peter, James, and John had the privilege of seeing that. Who did they see there? They saw Moses and Elijah, a real Moses and Elijah. They said, we need to build some temples here. How'd they know Moses and Elijah? Moses and Elijah been dead and gone for centuries in time. Yeah, we're gonna know each other in heaven. I'm gonna know even as I'm known. I got grannies waiting. Granddaddies waiting. Aunts and uncles waiting. Friends. Listen, I preach a lot of funerals but since I've been at Zion Hill. That that cemetery out full of people that I love. But that ain't the end of them. that ain't the end of them that ain't the, listen they already with the lord but that ain't the end of the body i stand at every grave site i've stood at i'm like this ain't the end of this body this is as far as we can go but one day there's going to a trumpet sound and a voice is going to shout and that grave is going to give up that body because he lives It promises us that our bodies are going to be raised. You you read the last part of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. When that saying is brought to pass, death is going to be swallowed up in victory. We'll live forever with a resurrected Savior. Hallelujah, he's alive. And I'm going to tell you something, I ain't miserable. I ain't miserable. I I I have the peace, I have the joy, I have the righteousness, and I have the hope of resurrection living inside of me. And if you're here this morning and you're a child of God, you have that too. If you're here this morning and you don't have that peace, joy, righteousness, and hope, you can have that in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know Him? Listen, there ain't another man that's ever walked the face of this earth that deserves your love and your trust and your devotion more than Jesus does. He's the only one that proved He has more to offer you than this life does. The Bible says that if you confess... With your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You understand that God wrapped up your salvation and your faith in his resurrection. Is, did he? Has he? Is he? <laughs> yeah, he is. He's worthy of your trust this morning. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Will you stand with me this morning? Lord, I there ain't nothing fancy about today's message. It's just Jesus who died, who was buried, and who rose again. All of our hope is in Him. All of our hope is in Him. The resurrection is not true. We've completely wasted our time today. All my preaching has been vain. All of our confidence has been vain. We're still in our sins. We're still lost. We're still without hope. We still don't have a reconciler. We still don't have a savior. We still have no hope of eternal life. But we're thankful this morning. We know that the resurrection is real. It's true. Jesus is alive. We have been forgiven. We have been reconciled. We do have eternal life. I pray, God, that if there's one person in this building this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior, they would consider those claims today. I believe the evidence is abounding. I believe it has stand the scrutiny of any court of law that ever put him on trial. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. We've got 2,000 plus years of testimony of the power of the risen Christ at work in the world. I pray that if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't yet know Him as their Lord and Savior, that today, Resurrection Sunday, would be the day of their salvation. All they have to do is confess that He is Lord, that You've raised Him from the dead. Surrender their life to Christ today and be saved. Have Your will and Your way in this invitation. Anything and everything you do, we'll praise you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.